All right. Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Nika Sherell, and this is the ITCAST Real Talk on Sex. Uh, hello, 2023. Hello, hello, hello. We are back. Yeah. Um, okay, so the ITCAST is our community outreach podcast that increases diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Through this work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. We have uh, our upcoming events on March 11th. I am uh, leading the Releasing Sexual Shame, A Pathway to Freedom workshop with Ethology Collective from 1 to 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, you can see more about that on our events calendar and check them out at ethologycollective.org. So if you want one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, visit my link tree to book a free connection session and we can talk about how I can serve you. Ask us anything we want to hear from you. Click the link in the comments below to have your questions submitted or just post them in the chat. You can get access to our bonus content on our Patreon, subscribe to this YouTube channel, and share with your community. All right, let's dive in, y'all. So this week's topic is Real Talk on the Angry Black Woman. Today in the booth, we have Katherine Sebron. Katherine is a multi-talented artist known for her work as a writer, performer, producer, dancer, choreographer, actor, and activist. She is the writer and performer of the thought-provoking one-woman show, Angry Black Woman 101. As co-choreographer, she is behind the creative vision of the Fat Flash Mob. Catherine also serves as a moderator for the Good Men Project, using her platform to advocate for important issues. In addition to her work as a performer, Catherine is the co-artistic director for the Bay Area Women's Theater Festival, further solidifying her commitment to elevating and empowering female voices in the arts. Catherine, join us on the show. Hello, good afternoon. Hello, so glad to have you here. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, all right, so tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're choosing to do this show. Um, gosh, you just said, I don't know who wrote that. Who wrote that? That was beautiful. I need a copy of that. I'll um, send it to you. <laughs> thank you, because like, wow, I need that in my life. Uh, well, that's me. I do a lot of things, um, but they are always to empower people, particularly women particularly, particularly black women. Um, and that's that's pretty much how I, I guide my life and the things I do. So um, how I ended up here is um, I wanna talk about it. And you gave me the opportunity, so. Yes. I, I gratefully arrived. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Um, so tell us why Angry Black Woman 101? Well, um, macro, the macro is, is that we are, Black women are always called angry. We're always called angry. We're always called aggressive. Um, you know, whenever they show us, they always show us at our worst, yelling, screaming, ripping our hair out. Um, and for me, there is a place for that. We are angry and we have every right to be angry. However, that trope is used to minimize all the injustices we face day to day, month to month, year to year. So if they could just say she's angry, 
then uh, we don't have to pay attention. We don't, basically, we don't have to pay attention to that bitch barking. You know, we could just tell yeah. her to lay down by her dish because she's just angry. Um, when one, we're not always angry all the time. And two, if we were, we've earned it. It's such a weird place to be, um, to be in a, to be as a black woman. Uh, if you speak in declarative sentences, people say you're aggressive. You know, uh, I could be speaking this way, and people, whoa, whoa, hold on. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like, wow. I'm at a one, and you're saying hold on. If I get to ten, you'll just die. <laughs> you will just cease to exist. Um, so that's why angry black woman um, to explain uh, my journey uh, to writing that show and creating some of the art that I've created. That's why black woman one on one. You know, I had a I had a really bad experience at work uh, with a coworker. So I wrote about that, but also added real life things that happen to black women all the time. Yeah. You know, thank you for that. That's a long answer. No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> and we're going to go deeper. So <laughs> I'm there. Let's go. Um, but, you know, I love what you bring up about ang like the angry trope, because it's a good way to write people off. Mm -hmm. it's like oh, they're just tripping. They're just angry today. They woke up on the wrong side of the bed and not having to look at the inner core of why those emotions are there. And I think it goes deep. I think that look, I've seen this piece three, maybe four times and I love it. I and you had a hand in creating it. So thank you. You were the one of the first places that hosted a reading for me. I haven't forgotten that. Thank you. So yeah. Yes, you are very welcome. It was an honor. It was an honor. And you served good food too, girl. So yeah. <laughs> yes. Tell y'all about parties at my place. Okay, for real, for real. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I think there's a lot of power in telling this narrative. Yeah, right. I don't think Thank that you. it gets to be acknowledged enough, you know, often enough, deep enough. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I pride myself on in my work is telling stories that aren't told. That don't get to be told and that's what i see you doing thank on you so many levels thank you yeah that's the thing um and i think right now is the time for that particular story where i think i think people would be open to hearing it now um so yeah so i'm trying to get it on the road trying to tour it trying to get it at different theaters and colleges throughout the country so that's the goal Yes. Um, I want to talk about the reparation, sorry, representation, reparations too, um, okay. the representation of Black women. So this, this absolutely needs to travel and we are, we're ready. We're ready. Yeah. This conversation isn't new. And until we reach a certain point, I believe of respect for black women, this conversation's never going away. And we're not right. gonna have that place on, like there's not gonna be peace or balance. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about how black women are represented. Uh, well, you know, the thing about being a black woman in this country in this time, 
right now is that we're getting it we're getting it from all sides we always have but it now it's it's particular um we get it from this the standard place you know uh from the fallacy of white supremacy and white privilege and all that we get it from there but now we're getting it from i call them the samuelites the followers of kevin samuels where you know you're you're only worth what you look like mm -hmm. and you're only worth as submissive as you're willing to be mm -hmm. um so it really is crazy making right now how we're being represented um even though we are still graduating colleges the highest demographic right now right we are still being represented as gold diggers loud mouths we can't even go to a fine dining restaurant without tipping over a table um you know we're still represented in all those ways yeah even though we see you know we see the viola davises we see the michelle obamas you know we see um i can't think of her name she uh is the she does the press conferences right now i can't think of her name um we see the stacy abrams these people exist right. and are in but we but as a whole we are still represented as uh as the lowest common denominator when we are so obviously not yeah and 100 you know from where i stand we're the rock and the foundation you know, we always have been yeah and black women have built and held and coddled the country and cared so deeply and when you think about the midwives and the nannies and all these other archetypes it's like that is that's not a very respected position right um Mm -hmm. forgive me I, I my puppy was crunching on something I had to make sure it was okay forgive me <laughs> no I'm I'll, here. I'll do. <laughs> um but yeah so I look at everything that you just shared about these women mm -hmm. and who we are inside of history inside of the world and it doesn't get represented you know I thought about Kevin Samuels and you know, I won't lie, I love that you really call out these people who are perpetuating this harm. Right. Um, and you know, not speaking ill of the dead, but when I heard that show, when I heard about that show, my immediate thought was, he's not talking to my demographic. He's not talking to- Exactly. Yeah. Like, to me, that's not even, I'm not in his audience. And so I step out of that space and I'm like, if you choose to identify that way, if you choose to listen to all of the negativity and the spiel and whatever else is gonna be there to make you feel insecure, that's your choice. But you don't have to be this concept that he's attacking. It's like, if the rock don't hit you, don't shout. And right he got too much, he had too much noise going on. Um, For me, what I think too, and here's the sad part, um, with being black in America and being a black woman in America, is that I'm not responsible for the stereotype he held up. Like you, I'm not that person. And yet I'm held responsible and punished for that. I'm treated as if I am that person. And that's the way it is throughout, uh, you know, 
uh, we, we see with every marginalized person. The stereotype affects us all, and um, and it's hard to just it's hard to escape. Yeah. Let's talk about like let's talk about the power and the privilege, you know, and how that impacts how that impacts us on a day to day basis. I know there's a part in your show where you really, I mean, so powerfully portrayed what actually goes on in a microaggressive level yeah so easy to overlook and so deeply felt which part <laughs> child tell me about the <clears throat> the bitch at the job <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god um ricky powers was a horrible person um to me in my experience I don't, I don't want any defamation stuff coming up. Um, no, uh, I, I don't know if if I threatened her, but I only I only spoke of that one example, and that's when things had come to a head. Um, she was really passive aggressive with me the whole time, and um, and the sad thing is because she was white and female it became me that was the aggressor. That was the thought, was that I was being aggressive when she was uh, doing microaggressions all the time. Things like, I remember I went into, we had a very small office. The office was probably the size of a, of a bathroom. There's only room for three desks in there. Um, and she's listening to a personal call on speaker while I'm trying to work. So I asked her to please take it off speaker and, oh, it'd just be a minute. And then what she does is she emails me to tell me the joke she played on her friend. As if I cared about that. Um, there was one time I was on a phone call with a friend during my lunch hour and she was talking to me about my conversation. Oh. Uh, there was times where she would email me work, some of her work to do. Oh. I need you to, and I remember there was a list she had, I need you to scrub this list. I'm sorry, what are you talking about? I need you to get rid of all this stuff that I don't need. And I said, okay and then deleted the email and did not do it because i'm like that's your work to do so yeah and then after all of that uh giving you a little bit more backstory um all kinds of things and then after after all of that she accused me of not liking her when actually the whole time i'm doing this because i know the power of the white woman right mm -hmm. so i'm not going off on her i'm being polite mm -hmm. you know if you know i'm just i'm just taking it taking it taking it but yet i became the aggressor and it's because she i wasn't reacting the way she wanted right. that's what that was so um so i wrote you know about that one section of being called into hr and how um and how the community of white women stood up to this, uh, stood up for 
this ridiculousness. Mm -hmm. They supported it with their silence. They supported it with their, with being complicit. And that happens all the time. It happens all the time to black women. I know that now because black women come up to me and they're like, girl, there was this Sarah at my job. There was Karen at my job. There was Becky at my job. And they tell me their stories after the show. It's, I mean, and it's deep, you know, there's yeah. so many. And it's hurtful. Yeah. Because uh, like I say in the show at this time, I had just gotten that promotion. I was working really hard because I know, and here's another thing, black women are more heavily scrutinized at the job. They're watching us harder than, because privilege says that if you're white, you can do the job, I don't have to worry about you. But your dark skin says that I have to watch you because you're going to make a mistake. You're going to mess up. I'm not even sure if you deserve to be here. And we know this. So we work a little bit harder. We stay a little bit longer. We, yeah. we dot our I's and cross our T's a little bit more, you know. I mean, and that's why that's why the, the concept of being pushed into overcompensating. Right. You know, like as a black woman, it's like I'm never, you know, seen as good enough by outside peers, therefore overcompensating to to be considered equal even whatever we have to work twice as hard to be considered half as good yeah, yeah exactly and you know i think when i think about this it brings up the idea of like your livelihood mm -hmm. you know, exactly all these other things it's uh it, there's a comment in the chat i gotta <laughs> oh, go ahead um, is somebody here with us uh yeah yeah so people um people uh, post into the chat whenever they've got oh, comments cool. and stuff. And so this one is, please talk about how white women perpetuate that stereotype of the angry black woman. White women, comma, so toxic. Um, talk about how white, white women per perpetuate uh, the stereotype of angry black woman um, by playing the victim. Like I say with Ricky, by playing the victim. Oh, you know, I'm... I could talk about white, like the the Karen who had the loose dog while the guy was trying to uh, right. watch. You know, she's so talk. She she trebled her voice so that the police the police would come kill him. That's what she wanted. She wanted the police anytime you fake something so that the police come towards a black person. It's because you want him to get killed. I'm sorry, not sorry. And it's flexing your privilege it's, it's totally flexing, flexing your privilege. privilege as a weapon i can have you killed um in the case of ricky she went to my boss saying oh catherine doesn't like me that's that's how white women per perpetuate that i um recently very recently thank you to my lawyer won a settlement um because obviously i can't say how much because <laughs> i last job um she played the uh she played the victim and what had happened was we had to we had to write little sayings on uh on wristbands and she wrote all lives matter and this was to be passed out to a mostly black male workforce and i tried to explain to her in this voice i didn't get angry because I'm assuming she didn't understand. 
I tried to explain to her why that wasn't cool. I sent her links. And then when she was saying, we should probably talk about your tone as well. Hold on. I sent her links about tone policing black women in the workplace because I was trying to educate her um, to hopefully have a better work relationship. Right. But instead she had me fired. And so that's another way um, they perpetuate the stereotypes. Like, oh, she's so angry. I can't work with her. She's unreasonable. You wouldn't punish someone else for being stern in the workplace. You wouldn't punish someone else for, like the idea, I think so many people that I didn't like, and if it, and it didn't matter that I didn't like them. It didn't matter. Right. Um, and also there's another thing too, is that because generally speaking, white people don't see us as human, they don't care. Like, I got fired for something really, I got fired for, I hurt her feelings basically because I was trying to explain something to her. She thought she knew it all. And I tried to explain to her and gave her links. But because her, her, her feelings were hurt, she affected my livelihood. She didn't care that I had rent, car payments. I like to eat every now and then. I have lights that I like to turn on. None of that makes, none of that made a difference to her. And it's the same way as the, the carrots who call the cops on black people. You're not human. So they don't care that you have a life right. that you want to continue living and that you have a livelihood. That's the sad part. I gotta, I gotta just, you know, dog ear that whole all lives matter part, because I don't think people get like, first off, that entire situation is flat out racist. All and day. I'm sure she'll be the first one to say I'm not racist. All day. That's exactly what she said. Let's oh, be but we say that in church. Woo, girl, your church is. Woo. Let's be clear for everyone who can hear my voice. All lives matter is not a movement. It's a counter movement designed to specifically target a movement that was happening to save the lives of people. So when you walk around and you say all lives matter, consider that what you're actually doing is saying, oh, well, that part over there that they're trying to do, that doesn't matter. Let's squash it. Right. Let's squash it. So I really want people to be with that because it's, it's not, it's not the reality. Like your church pre preaches it, consider that your church might be racist. They don't know it. And also. Right. And also too, I love the rebuttal. All lives can't matter until black lives matter. It's basic math. You can't say all and leave out because then it's not all. Right. So all lives cannot matter until black lives matter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, so I explained that to her too. I explained that. I also explained that Blue Lives Matter came out of the same mm -hmm. effort to downplay Black Lives Matter. Right. And that is not a blue life, it's a blue shirt. You know? Right. Right. Counter movements, counter arguments. And like the word woke, how they're trying to make that. I'm like, how are you? You don't even know what that means. How are you trying to make it, you know, like they're like the woke liberals. Like, what are you talking about? Staying woke merely means stay aware. Right. 
be aware of what's going on around you. That's being woke, you know? It's, it's the new, like, I'm cool. Like, I, I get in with the Black folk because I'm woke. Right. Like, well, what are you woke about? And I'm like, and if you've never said the sentence, then why are you using the words? Because, you know, you sleep? No, I'm woke. <laughs> if you've never had that conversation, don't use the word. <laughs> you know? Oh, okay. So, so really, we this episode is deeply about microaggressions, which I think is really phenomenal. Um, and this one came up, we were hanging out one day, um, and a friend of mine who is not black used the word ghetto. Mm. And I remember you stopped and you were very, very clear about, <laughs> about yes, you, oh. about why that was not okay. It sounds like me. I don't remember. I don't remember, but that sounds like something I would do. Go ahead. It was, it was so perfect because it's the kind of situation where people don't understand how that can be microaggressive and messed up and have an impact on people. So it just, I, I was, I was inspired because mm. like we, we have to keep saying these things. Yeah. And we shouldn't. And I say we shouldn't because Google is everybody's friends, you know? A lot of times people will um, justify their ignorance and justify making you do labor for them. But if you don't tell me, how will I know? Ask friends, read a book, go to Google. Right. I don't have to do this work for you. The work's been done. I'll give you two words. I'll help you out. Jane Elliott, go. You know, follow follow those crumbs. But that's another form for me, another form of microaggressions is uh, trying to get us to do the labor for them. Huh, huh. All right, forgive my ignorance. No, what's that thought? Well, you had a thought. Jane Elliott, is that- Jane Elliott is, uh, yeah, she's, as the kids used to say, she can come to the cookout. Jane Elliott has been doing anti-racist uh, work for 50 years. Um, she's the one who did the groundbreaking brown eye, blue eye experiment. Oh, that was good. Yeah, she did that like in the in the late 50s, and then um, and recently she uh, she goes to schools and and does things with them to show them their racism and you know, and people storm out and she's like, no, you can't come back in until you apologize to every black and brown person because you did what they cannot do. They cannot run away right. from their skin color. So if you can't apologize, then you are dismissed. You, do you know who I'm talking about now? I do. Oh, I, oh, geez, I yes. love her. 100%. And I remember when I first, who, when I first came across that study and I was just, it, it, it was a godsend, I won't lie. Um, yeah. Would you like to share it? Because do you want to tell people the, no, the, the background? Okay, so what she did is, in, in the first instance I heard of it, is she took a classroom of white students, all white students, very you know common in our segregated educational system. And she had them divide themselves by those who had blue eyes and those who had brown eyes. And the first day 
all the blue eyed kids got to go out and play and have recess and do all the things and all the brown eyed kids had to watch and clean the classroom and do all these other things and like all and be insulted. Right, yeah. And these are like, oh my God, this is so much fun. All the kids who got to play that day. The next day she switched it where all the brown eyed kids got to go and have recess and play and do all the things mm -hmm. and all the blue eyed kids had to work. That sentence coming out of my mouth even sounds weird. Okay, so <laughs> all the blue eyed kids had to work. And at the, at the end of that experience, experiment, she sat them down and she had, she had them have a conversation about race and racism. And what that actually looks like when you define it in a manner mm -hmm. that is exclusionary to your own. It was like, you could hear I could hear it click, at least for some people. Right. And I think that's that's where that whole bit, like running away, storming off, um, it, it it is a privilege. Yeah. It's very much a privilege. Um, mm. Yes, she if she did that uh, she did that experiment several decades later on the Oprah Winfrey Show with the same results. From grown adults, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so. yeah, and uh, Jane Elliott. This is when I really fell absolutely in love with her. She was talking to a white audience, and she said, "Okay, who here would trade places with a black person? You know, even if you could have all the money in the world, who would trade places?" And no one, of course, no one rose their hand. And she said, "The fact that you didn't raise your hand." shows me that you know about the injustices they face. Right. And yeah. if you don't speak up about that, then, you know, but she's like, yeah, you know, you know how black people are treated. Yeah. So, yeah. When you said that, two things are coming to mind. One is that there's nothing more dangerous than white women's tears. At all. The other thing is just how damaging that actually is like I, it flashed for me of the the injustices were like the little girl <laughs> um so the girl at the pool party in, in texas that one that one hit me to the core um it, it was horrid and i even look at that alongside of the little black girl at yale or uh, who, who was catching the lantern flies. Did you hear about that? No. Oh, and they called, yeah, because we're adultified. They, right. yeah, this little girl is doing this thing for school, like a little cute little environmental thing. And he called her a woman. Yes, yes. As a black woman. And the same thing, like you said, with the pool party, we're not seen as human. You are a grown ass, short little man but you're a grown ass man on top of this little girl who is literally crying for her mother. Right. Literally, she's got few clothes on because she's at a pool party. So obviously, and you're on top of her. They don't see us as human. They don't. And they don't. in both of those instances, I had the experience of that's total bullshit the guy calling the cops on this small black woman right he put it if he had said this little black child 
there's no way he could justify being a grown ass man being scared. Right. Yeah, she's nine years old. Yes. So I'm scared of a nine year old is what he called and told the police. Pretty much. For minding her own business. She didn't go up to his step. She didn't knock on his door. The simple existence. Yes. For people to for somebody to be able to hate you for the just the fact that you exist right should be dumbfounding yeah absolutely yeah. but yeah he he should be absolutely ashamed of himself but he probably isn't he right. probably isn't he probably doesn't know better but yeah um like you said it's fatal like with uh tamir rice that cop was out of his car for three seconds before he shot that child dead. Now, the first thing he should have did when he got out was notice that it was a child. Right. Right. If they, they don't see us as children. We're never children. We're never allowed to be children. No. no. I mean, it stomped them out when they're young so that they never grow, whether it's right. mentally or emotionally. Right. And then that's how you continue to get to control people. And then they wonder why we're angry. You kill all of us. You kill all of you, our men, our women, our children, our trans women, our binary people. You're just killing us all. Yeah. In that video uh, with the pool party, there was one part I had never noticed before because there's the cops and there's mm -hmm. and the screaming and the parents. And there's this one white guy standing in the middle of all of it. Yellow shirt, white khaki shorts, ain't doing shit. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yes. Just with his arms folded, proud. Yeah. Proud. Ain't got nothing to say. Like, so I, I find that to be extremely bizarre. Extremely bizarre. Right. Um, the, the adultification, the being considered less valuable, I think that that has some major impacts on what Black girls mm -hmm. from a very young age. I feel like Black girls get to be uh, six at the most, to be children. Yeah. And like- If that. If that. If that. And I don't think people see it, they don't realize it because even though the experience, you know, like it, it looks like they get to be or that they are a kid, but the amount of responsibility, personal responsibility that falls there, again, for simply existing, whatever, whatever it is, it's like you are now having to be responsible for your life. You right. now have to be aware. And for the thoughts of an adult. Right. For the you thoughts of an adult. Aware. You have to be aware of the skin you're in. Yeah. I remember being a little girl and in line for a haunted house. I remember this and I, cause I'm here and I remember this big tall white guy starting an argument with me. And I'm like, and I remember it ended with him belching in my face. And I'm thinking, I'm a kid, like what the hell? And the older I get, the more like, Gosh, I was nine tops because I was in fourth grade. And I'm like, wow, really? Right. And that doesn't that doesn't stop. Right. You know what I mean? That that doesn't stop. Right. 
that kind of behavior goes on and on. You know, like I have had white men boot up to me to fight. I haven't worn pants in 25 years. I only wear dresses. So I'm like, wow. Mm. You want to fight me? Really? Me? Right. Yeah. So yeah, there's a, there's a, a, yeah, there's a certain amount of not, there's, our humanity is, is never solidified in this country. We're never, we're never seen as human. I'm never, and that's part of angry black woman. I'm not even seen as a woman half the fucking time. Excuse my language. Half the time. I'm not even seen as, I'm not even seen as a woman. We can't, I can't let the show happen and like step over. Ain't I a woman? Like that. We're still asking that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, we talked about policing earlier and it's like, they, it's very easy to miss that there is in no, white, the police, <laughs> in my opinion, were created to protect white women. Yeah, there's no there's no part in the world where women of any color, any color are treated and protected the way that white women are. Right. Right. And they wonder why we're angry. Yeah. And the thing about it, too, is that the majority teaches everyone else how to disrespect us. Even us. Even us. Yeah. Even um, us. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Of the self, like the yeah. whole self with the beauty standards and all of those elements. Right. Um, and our other people. So anti-blackness is worldwide. Anti-blackness goes everybody, everybody who is not black expresses anti-blackness everybody i'm even going to argue that a lot of those that are black well yeah i'm including those two mm -hmm. that's internalized racism yeah. but i'm saying everybody on the outside of blackness expresses anti-blackness oh 100 100 yeah. that's absolutely true it's a global phenomenon yeah and I think that's something that people need to get is that it is a global phenomenon. We're right. talking about colorism in this case. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what you are. If you are darker skinned, you're going to be treated in a particular way. And I think hair has to do with it too. It We're does. the only ones with hair like this. My Jewish friends like, I have it. No, you don't. You don't have hair that does this, this, this. Right. That gets tightly knit, nappy. No, you don't. You can have super duper curly hair. That's not this. Yeah. And I think it's a it's a combination because there are Middle Eastern people and Indian people that are darker than I am that still practice anti-racism. So I think it goes beyond color. I think it's specifically African features. Mm, I know, I definitely know like texturism is a thing. Absolutely. And I think that you're right. Cause when I think about other places in the world, I'm like, okay, well, where exactly, where are the commonalities? And you're right. There are, th there's curl patterns and then there are, there's discrimination. Mm. So a lot of people don't know, but steel wool used to be called nigger hair. Nigger hair. 
I didn't know that. Yeah. But that makes sense. I believe it. And so these are the things when we talk about texturism, it's like I, nobody's walking up to a bale of hay and, you know, whitey hair, no one's or whatever, whatever we're comparing right. things to. And that's not okay. It's not okay. It does not make me feel good to be referred to like a thing. Right. To be equated with a thing that it's, it's phenomenally bizarre. Um, I also want to point out that the darker you are and the heavier you are or whatever they can put on you, especially as a black woman, makes you more satirical and right. less easy to take seriously. Right. And easier to, to just dehumanize. Um, also, okay, so I got to talk about it. We talked about Kevin Samuels. We got to talk about Tyler Perry because I have opinions. I have opinions. So do I, baby. So do I. It, it's re I, Okay, you're good. I won't lie. Y'all can come take my black card. I don't care. I have never actually ever liked Tyler Perry's work. I think that it makes a ridiculous satire of Black people over and over again. And the way that the Black woman is portrayed, I mean, that was something that was a major conversation that people again miss. Because even inside of the Black community, there's still the discrimination against specific types of people. Right, right. Uh, Tyler Perry, there's a part of me, I'm so torn, there's a part of me that respects his hustle. He went from living to his car to now owning a studio. Good for you. Um, there's a part of me that, thank you for fortifying stereotypes, sir. Um, there's a part of me that, you know, it's 2020 and on and on. So come on out. It's okay. You're safe. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I have feelings too. I've never, I've never watched the Tyler Perry movie. Um, Cause I honestly think, you know, Medea should have gone to a black woman if you wanted to play that stereotype, but they're always so fast to masculinize. Yes, that's a home in word. They're so quick to masculinize black women. And that's another part of it. We're not, we're not women, but we're not men, but we're not feminine. We can't be fragile and petite. We can't have feelings, but you know, inside there's always this inner man. Oh, black women, you're so strong. We're fortunate freaking fire. We're strong because we don't get the white knight coming. I cannot with this voice call the police and have them come guns drawn to protect me. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm not the biggest Tyler Perry fan. Yeah, and and you're right. I'll give him his props as a business owner. Handle that. Handle it. But why um, at our expense? Why does it always have to be at our expense? That's my thing. Like, uh, there's a part of my show where I show um, throughout history, black men dressing up as stereotypical. You know, I start with Flip Wilson and Geraldine. I think I get down to, um, what's his name? Jamie Foxx and Wanda. Oh, yeah. You know, we're talking about Martin Lawrence and Grandma's House. 
Oh, oh, did we not Shanene? Oh, Shanene, we got Shanene <laughs> too. Yeah, we got Shanene. I didn't get grandma's house, I got Shanene. Um, and I had to really sit down and think. I had to really, because I wanted to make sure I said this from a place, from an honest place. Have we ever seen like white men do that? Play a stereotypical white woman. Have we seen that yet? Just let me know anywhere. That's what I'm saying. Cause I'm thinking, you know, people are like, well, Monty Python, Monty Python, they played women. Uh, kids in the hall played women. They played people. They didn't play stereotypes. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference. They didn't lean on the stereotypes of white women that everybody knows about because there really aren't until recently. There really aren't, you know, and the only stereotype they have is the Karen, the let me speak to your manager. And that's recent. Uh, yeah. You know, that's a new thing. Huh. I did not think about it like that. That's not, um, that's not, you know, mocking white women for being my, for being white women in whatever state they are. It's not a hit. There's, I don't, I don't find a big history. And uh, if anybody sees this on recording or whatever, please feel free to contact me if you, if you know. Yeah. Um, I have to double back to the whole masculinizing. Oh, or, sorry. Whatever word that they'll, whatever. I like it coined here. Yeah. So, of black women when you said that it actually reminded me of a study that i read back in college that mm -hmm. actually talked about historically black women were equated more so with men mm -hmm. and this was a queer conversation so if you were with a black woman it wasn't a lesbian relationship because she's so considered a man that it's actually straight so if you were with a black woman you could be considered straight versus being with a white woman that then makes you a lesbian. If I've never there. heard of that. Oh my God, I've never heard of that. And uh, and of course, you know, there's all the Sarah Bart, uh, Bartman and the mm -hmm. other things where there's like these drawings of the black vagina and it's always protruding. It's mm -hmm. always like this, like the, the labia is bigger and a number of things. And it's like, well, every vagina looks different. Everyone, yes. Right, you just happen to pick this one to prove your point which is ridiculous. I used to work at uh, the Lorraine Hansberry Theater uh, under Stanley Williams. Stanley Williams and Quentin Easter uh, started and ran the Lorraine Hansberry Theater. And I was really young working there, like in my early 20s stage managing. And I remember Stanley pulled me over and he said, he said, uh, what do you think of biracial relationships? And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't much care. My opinion has changed since then, just so you know, I've grown up. But I'm like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. He's like, if you ever notice a white man with a black woman, he's got a little bit of homosexuality in him. And I said, huh? He goes, yeah, he's gonna be a little gay. And for the reason why you just said, because, you know, white women, I mean, black women are not quite seen as women, women. Right. And, um, and from my 
experience, my personal experience, he was correct. Mm. He was correct. Um, and that could have just been the people I'm choosing. I accept that. But yeah. back when I would allow myself to date white men, there was some queerness there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there. There's, there's just so much. I go back and think about it. Go back and think about it. We could take this offline and talk on phone. Yeah. Yeah. I, yep. I was surprised too. I was like, what? And then I had to think back and like, oh. Yeah. Even the way I treated, even some of the things they wanted me to do. I mean, okay. there's the O and then there's the and. Right. Hmm? No, nah, we're not going to share the and. <laughs> no, no, I hear you. I hear you, girl. The naps are hearing you. These are antennas. <laughs> I hear you. Y'all going to have to, to, to hop onto the Patreon to get the and. Right, <laughs> right. And yes, oh. and yes, Betty, Malcolm did say the most hated, the most unprotected. Yeah. He sure did. Yep. The black woman is the most hated human on earth. And we raised you, cooked for you, mm -hmm. wiped your ass, whether we wanted to or not. Right. We were just cows. We weren't, even then, we weren't human. We were just cows that could be taught to speak English. Yeah. Even now. We are, we are just cows that can actually speak and do things. Um, there are two things um, that I think we all need to remember, particularly as Black people. We were never meant to be free. And I think we forget that. That wasn't a part of the plan. The part of the plan wasn't to, oh, we will use these Africans and then you know we'll become a superpower based on the money that they create and then we'll let them go had it gone their way you and i would be picking cotton right now we'd be picking tobacco right now pulling peaches off trees right now yeah, yeah we were yeah. never meant to be free yeah. and i think um and i think that's part of the resentment with black people and even more so with black women is that we were never we were never meant to be free and autonomous, which is why there are like 25 20 maybe even 30 towns that white people destroyed. Little black towns that were minding their own little black business. Yeah, that were destroyed. Yeah, you know. And could happen today. Um, Easily. Okay. So. You know, one of the points that you made, and I think that this is so powerful, we are diverse. Mm -hmm. We're in this month about Black history, and we're talking about all these things. And when you add, you know, the, the history of Black women on top of that, we also have to step back and say that Black history is not slave history. Right. When we perpetuate those narratives, that's what we get locked into. And there is so much more beauty and so much more reality and so much more power out there than the slave narrative. Of course. We got to break it down, but that's not the sum total of who we are. That makes them comfortable 
remember the time when, you know, for me, that's where you get your Civil War reenactment from. For me, that's where you get your, your Renaissance Fair from. Oh. Remember when? Yeah, I w- that was my very first job. Very, I was 14 in Kansas. Yeah. Fox Springs, look it up. Ren Fair. <laughs> yeah. And it's fun, but I but it took me a minute. It's like, oh, this is Dickens Fair, all of that. Remember when it was just us and we didn't have to deal with those darkies? It's lovely nostalgia. Edwardian Ball, all of those fairs were times where people of color just weren't included. So we're gonna celebrate that. Like I'm really happy to see people of color go to those things and shake up that narrative because we were there, obviously. Right. But um, but yeah, that's um so all right. Okay, JT Devereaux. Uh yeah, if please feel free. So uh we have a comment. I have an observa- observation with black men and black boys relationships with white women and white girls. Okay. Come on. We're listening. I think it might be a long one. Okay, that's fine. Well, I have an idea too. Um, When you you keep pushing something as the best of the best, then that's going to be what people want. An example would be like the Escalade. Let me finish this part real quick. The Escalade. Everybody watched hip hop -hop videos and they wanted to Escalade. Escalade's not a good car. But if you keep pushing, it's the thing to have. Right. And that's what people want. Right. That's why advertisement is evil. Okay, go um, ahead. Okay. So uh, when it gets posted, we will go ahead and share it. The question I have for you uh, in this moment is, who are you trying to reach with your work? I'm trying to reach anybody who will listen because I think each one teach one. And I also believe that, um, and as for JT, JT, just say it and we'll read it. Just type it out and we'll read it. Um, it's for everyone. That's the question that I struggled with the most. Who am I talking to? I'm talking to white people so that they know we are human. And I'm talking to black women so that they know we're not alone. Um, that's one of the things I've, uh, that's, that's an excellent statement. Thank you, JT. From a very young age, we as black boys learn how white girls treat and treated us compared to black girls. And no, that, that's not a good point. That's a bullshit point. I, the reason why I say it's a good point is because it crosses both sides. And so when you talk about how young white girls are taught to treat, it's the same thing with how young boys are taught to treat black women. Say that again. I'm sorry. I was, I was looking at his comment. When we're talking about how white girls treat black boys how it's nicer the conversation is true also with how black boys treat black women well and also here's the thing too um that black men uh tend to not understand is that because they are being so flattered when you're taught like the escalade when you're taught that this is the highest thing ever and she's nice to you or she or you they don't understand that they're pets if you've been if if we have a, a lifetime and generations and generations of not being seen as human, 
You know, a white woman smiles at this young black man and she doesn't realize that she is the one in control of that, of that relationship. Yeah. He, it, she, she gets clout. She gets to piss off her father. She gets to think all her, all her friends get to think she's cool. She gets to feel like she's not a racist, even though she's probably, and most often dating him through her racism. And um, and another thing too is that what uh, black men don't understand is that black women have had their backs hard and solid since we landed here. Mm-hmm. In fact, Black Lives Matter was created by three queer women who don't necessarily need a, a man in their life, mm-hmm. but they saw black men getting killed. That's how tough black women have their backs okay so jt this is hot i actually want everyone out there to pop this in the comments chats meet me over on instagram so that we can continue this discussion around uh what's going on in this conversation um yeah it's hot it's hot and it's also too with black men who say white women are always nice who are the black women you're looking for you draw to you where are you hanging out I know tons of, and that's the thing, you want a submissive woman? I know tons of submissive black women. I know submissive black women that are naturally submissive. I know BDSM submissive black women mm-hmm. who are willing to literally sit at your feet. Um, I know educated black women that are submissive. I know black women who are like, I don't want the job of being a man because I'm a woman those kinds of submissives so you know i think what happens is let me finish this last point i think what happens is that a black man is dealing with internalized racism if he can't find a black woman suitable he needs to fight through his internalized racism and realize that black womenhood is not a monolith we come in all kinds of shape sizes attitudes and political thoughts that's it that part right there right there we're not a monolith that's right. So That's when you right. say white women are so much nicer than black women, we're not a monolith. Yeah. So, all right, let's pause this because we are nearing the top of the hour. Um, I am going to share this one last comment we have, and I really do want you to hop over to Instagram or anywhere that you want to and share your thoughts on this because it's a hot conversation. Like I'm sure y'all are all thinking stuff. So last comment, I'm just saying simply that black men have better relationships with whites, females than white males with black women. That's a child talking. I'm sorry. I I just, that's a, that's a very immature way of thinking and very childish. If he really believes that. Thank you. Hop into the socials. Um, All right, Catherine, is there anywhere else where we can find your work or anything that you want us to share out there about what you are doing? I am on Goodman Project, Monday and Tuesdays, five to six. On Mondays, I do the sex, love and relationship call. And on Tuesdays, I do the stop racism call. Um, Look for me, Bay Area Women's Theater Festival. Um, Look for Angry Black Woman one-on-one. And uh, and if I get enough, Drink enough coffee, I might be planning another uh, another flash mob. Right. So that's where you can find me. Love it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
so powerful. <laughs> and so are you. You're, yeah, I admire you so much. Good work. Ah, all right, everybody out there. Thank you so much for joining us today. The ITCAST is our community outreach podcast that increases diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Through this work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. Our upcoming events, March 11th, you can join me for Releasing Sexual Shame, A Pathway to Freedom. That's going to be hosted by Ethology Collective from 1 to 4 p.m. Pacific, Pacific time. And also, uh, you can see more about that on our calendar at theitcast.com. Check them out at ethologycollective.org. If you want to have one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, visit my link tree and book a free connection session and ask us anything. That was hot. Thank you, JT. I really hope you were still listening and watching because thank you, thank you, thank you for getting raw and real with us. So post them in the chat, send them to us, let us know what you wanna what you wanna talk about, and join our Patreon to hear all the extra juicy tidbits. What's the Instagram? The Instagram at Nika Sherelle. So at symbol N-I-K-A-C-H-E-R-R-E. L-L-E. Go. All right. If you caught it, bet double Got bet. <laughs> um, and uh subscribe to this YouTube channel and share with your community. Thank you so much. Take care.